Kevin Pankhurst's dad, and you're listening to Throw in the Go. I'm getting better. You are getting better I, at this. I think she might be at risk of losing Kevin her might, position. She might be out of a job. I don't know. Not a hope. No. She's, <laughs> I think she's the only reason people listen, actually. She is so out of the box. I, <laughs> and she, you know, stomped on the box and Yeah, I tell people, you know how and, people talk about somebody being out of the box? Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin in high school got out of the box, smashed it with a hammer, backed over it with a, a, <laughs> a cement truck or something, and then had a barbecue, lit, lit it on fire. <laughs> I think she's a little bit Elisha-esque that way. Yeah. You know. Well, Kevin is um, still struggling with her voice after a, a, another dance with COVID and uh, is desperately trying to heal so that she can sing in a musical. Yeah. In That's a couple of weeks, so yes. Oh man, yeah. It's going to be quite a show if she doesn't get her voice back. Yeah, yeah, it will because she's got a pretty major part. Yeah, I'm kind of looking and forward. And she's to also s- the not musical director, but something like that. Musical. She's coaching people. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, Kevin took sin- singing lessons when she was in junior high and high school. Oh yeah, our our uh, our listeners know Kevin's a singer. Yes, and so I sat through numerous. <laughs> Numerous recitals. Oh, the poor kids. I, apparently, I make a face you when do. I'm concentrating. You're, you're and like, it's, yeah, you're concentrating on their behalf, and it kind of looks like you're listening to the most painful thing you've ever heard. Yeah, and they're very good. I enjoy it, but apparently... Now, your dad used to do that when you would yeah, sing. Yeah, you said that, right? that, too, yeah. They so, do. maybe it's a dad maybe thing. It's a dad I thing. just... I, I'm <laughs> sorry. I, and it's not that I think, boy, they're really... No, they're, they're really good. Both of the, our girls are amazing I singers. Enjoy, I enjoy listening to them, but I just... Um, you also got shushed by the adjudicator well, at some I, of their competitions. I, I like to think of myself as a relatively um, dignified and quiet person, which is completely <laughs> wrong. Yeah, I, I'm, you are what, in serious denial. Donna, um, Donna's sister used to do some work for us, and Donna would regularly say, I work with the two noisiest people on the oh, planet. Sorry about that, true. Jocelyn. So I, Jocelyn, my sister, is also a singer. And she, you can put her in a huge choir and you can still hear her. I mean, not that she doesn't blend, but she just no, has such a big she's voice. She's got a strong voice. She does. But and yes, speaking I, as well. I and she a, knows how to, um, what's project? that called? Thank you. Okay. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I've been shushed in... Um, uh, a lot of different uh, a environments. A lot of different environments. Like, I just <laughs> in the bank once. It's like, well, how can you talk too loud for a bank? I was and, just being and friendly. I, and I imagine you just stay out of libraries altogether. <laughs> well, yeah, I, they're, they're not my favorite place anyway. But, uh, yeah, I've been shushed in libraries. I've been shushed in banks. I've been shushed and given the stink eye in recitals. Yes, you certainly yeah, have by that, adjudicators. Yeah, yeah. adjudicators. Mm-hmm. I am maybe not their favorite I person. I don't think adjudicators typically are the most uh, They're not party people, are they? people, no. Yeah, we were, <laughs> that reminds me of doing some stuff with Samaritan's Purse years ago, uh, getting some shoebox ready, shoeboxes ready for a, oh, a missions yes. trip we were going on. And 
it was a bunch of young adults, and we had to. We were we were in the assembly plant for yeah, the shoe, and and we were boxes. assembling boxes, and and one of the and young adults boxes and, uh, yeah. and I were racing building these boxes, and uh, we were laughing and having a wonderful time, and. Um, one of the, the people who was overseeing this, I'm sure she was a volunteer, and she came up to and said, I like to have as much fun as anybody, but guys, we need to take this a little more seriously. When she left, I turned to the other guy and said, I don't think she likes to have as much fun as we like to have. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I tend to be loud. By the way, I feel a sneeze coming on, and I'm oh. not just sure when it's going to arrive, but I just wanted to give everybody a little warning that this right, could happen. Feeling. I will turn my head away from the mic. but If I see it coming, I'll warn y'all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. duck. So far, so good. I, <laughs> we don't have COVID. No, we don't have COVID. Oh, my. Oh, well, we are going to revisit a podcast that we did about a year ago, um, the two of us. Kevin wasn't on this one either. Yeah. Um, just because I think it's a really good one. And I want as many people to hear about the content of mm -hmm. a specific book mm -hmm. as possible. And the book was Enemies of the Heart by Andy Stanley. Right. Now, we love Andy Stanley. Yeah, we, we love everybody, but he is one of our, we're <laughs> well, supposed we, to, we're, we're we Jesus actually, followers. We, we personally don't know Andy Stanley, but <laughs> yeah. we love his teaching. Yes. Put it, let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. And we love his writing. And um, it was a book that you read first. Yes. And you could tell me in such detail what was in the book that I thought, wow, that's really made an impression because you're, you know, you're ADHD guy and remembering what you've read is not easy right. for you. right. And he he mentions, I'm trying to remember them now. I am not prepared for this at all. But I do remember there was... Um, he talks about strong emotions. Yes. Anger, yeah, shame. Shame, I think, fear, yeah. and jealousy. Yes. And he talks about... And there might be a fifth. I can't remember. He talks but about he, an antidote for each one. He talks one. about an antidote for each one. Yeah. And I think it's so important and so critical that I wanted to um, play that again for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, so um, have a listen, take some notes, and maybe even pick up the book if you're impressed. Yeah. The book is called Enemies of the Heart, and I love Andy Stanley because he's he's brilliant, but he manages to communicate things very simply and accessibly. Yeah, I really appreciate his communication, so I enjoy hearing him preach. Yeah. I enjoy reading the things I've read that he's written. And it's just like hearing him preach, actually. It is. He it's writes in his very voice. much. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's very cool. He His editors, he's well enough known that his editors probably don't bully him into changing the way he wants to say something. That happens to some authors who are slightly less well-known. Anyway, um, he asks the insightful question, what causes disruption of our peace and well-being? Mm -hmm. And he kind of boils it down to four big emotions. Yeah, he calls them enemies of our heart. Yeah. And do you want me to mention them? Yeah, sure. Sure. So I, I, I don't have any notes in front of me, but it, the book really did sort of stick. And so uh, the first one is anger. Mm -hmm. The second one is, uh, shame's not the right word, it's guilt. Guilt. Uh, Actually, guilt is first, then anger. Oh, okay. Guilt, yeah. anger, uh, then greed, greed and then... Uh, jealousy. jealousy. And he goes on in, in each chapter to 
give each one of those things sort of a, a little handle. Yeah. And so uh, shame is IOU. I've done something and now I have a debt to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, anger is you owe me. And he talks about how that is really the basis of anger. Somebody's done something and now you owe me. Greed is I owe me. I deserve this. Mm. And uh, then jealousy is God owes me. Yeah. Which, it, it, and it's it's amazing how that has stuck with me. Okay, well, let's unpack that a little bit. But um, I, I thought it was fascinating how he, he says early in the book that we're not taught to monitor our hearts. Hmm. We're taught to monitor our behavior yes. and maybe our words. And so some of these ugly, unchecked emotions in our hearts that we're not taught to monitor and certainly not taught how to deal with, um, those just fester and they they become very unhealthy. And, and that's what ends up spilling out on people in our lives, right. especially our families, because when we come home, we let down our guard and more of what's really inside comes out. Hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, and you know, uh, of all the people in the world I don't want to hurt, it's my family, the people closest to me. Yeah. And right now, only you and I are in the house together. So, <laughs> it's, so look out, Levi. it's in both of our best interests <laughs> to deal with the enemies of our hearts. Um, in Ecclesiastes, uh, uh, wow, that was hard, hard for me to say. It wasn't Ecclesiastes, actually. It's Ezekiel. Uh, 3626, God promises, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. So God has ways of helping us deal with the enemies of our heart. We're not just stuck with them. So, um, you know, when we have inappropriate behavior and we utter hurtful words that litter the ground around us, What's our solution apart from God? Are, are you just leaving that hanging there? <laughs> well, I kind of oh. thought you might have something to say, but um, well, I it, mean... It's unusual that I don't, but I don't know ex- well, what ex- the answer is apart from God. Exactly. And I think that's the point, is that if we don't have god and god's word to help us know how to deal with those toxic emotions where we just we just try to hide them mm, and yeah. that's that's not a helpful well and, and you thing. talked about how um you know we we treat people uh with the because of these toxicities in our heart mm-hmm. but it really is the emotion that results in the behavior yeah you know our behaviors are driven by our hearts well, you've got a, a good sermon in, in, in which you talk about the fact that, uh, you know, when you put pressure on a toothpaste tube, you know, what comes out? It's toothpaste. Yeah, it's a rule. Shock, shocking, yeah. right? It's <laughs> if not something shaving, else is coming out, it's not shaving it cream yet. If it's preparation H, you've grabbed the wrong tube. <laughs> and it's not going to Turn the lights good. on in the bathroom. <laughs> what is in our heart comes out. Um, in Jeremiah seventeen nine, it says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it really is? Hmm. We're, we're often really unaware of what's going on in our heart. So anyway, let's talk about that first, um, the first enemy of the heart, guilt. Right. The I-O-U piece. 
So I've done something, and it's usually a secret now mm. that causes guilt. Um, yeah, I, I've I've taken something, I've said something, I've done something, um, and now I know the other person may know I've done it, or they may not know I've done it. But it's eating away at me. But I know I've done wrong. Mm-hmm. And so now, how do you deal with that? Is is the question he asks. Right. So the, um, the scripture he uses, one of the scriptures he uses to unpack, this is in Matthew chapter 5. And somebody's at the altar. They're ready to offer God a sacrifice. So in other yep. words, they're ready to worship God. And Matthew says, don't do it. If there's something wrong in your heart, something wrong between you and someone else, go fix it. Right. Before you can, implied is that we've got to fix things with other people before we can worship God. Mm -hmm. So what is the antidote then? Well, and again, Andy Stanley is so practical. And he illustrates and shows that the antidote for guilt is confession. Mm -hmm. It's coming clean um, and it's asking for forgiveness. Now, you need to understand that just because you confess and request forgiveness doesn't mean that you're going to be extended forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But the antidote for our hearts is, is to, to confess. confess it. Well, and confession is then is about more than just admitting you did something. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that in the Roman Catholic Church, um, there has been, I'm not sure if it's this way right now, but the idea behind confession is you don't go every week and just confess the same sins over and over again. In fact, from what I have read, um, I've never been to a Catholic confession, so just from what I've heard from others is that you're not allowed to do that. And the reason is that you're expected to go fix that thing. You're expected to to not do it again, and you're expected to go and make restitution for what you did the, the first time. Well, and yeah, I think um, asking the question, what do I need to do to make this right, mm -hmm. is an great. important part of confession and apology. And I think confession and apology need to go together. So apology meaning, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What can I do to make this right? Yes. Uh, I think that is is an important part, certainly in a in a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the "I'm sorry" rings a little empty if it isn't followed up with uh, a, a communication of "I'm going to change" or "What do I need to do to make this right?" Yeah, it's interesting to me that James talks about. Confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Mm. And I remember a time before I read the book where I was stewing in guilt. I was away on a missions trip. I was speaking to 100 oh, I remember. <laughs> high school and college students. And in a seminar I was giving before the evening talk that I'd been asked by the organizers to give, a student asked a question. And I, in answer to the question, told a story as if I had done this story. I had thought about doing it, but I have right. actually never done it. And as I am launching into this story, I know I'm lying, but I just forged ahead. 
lying right out loud lying before God to all and everybody. These people I was supposed to be talking to, and I was devastated. And I, I did, I preached that night, but it felt like I was trying to toboggan on concrete. Hmm. I was, it just felt like the the message was going nowhere, and I was consumed with guilt hmm. for lying to all of these students. And I confessed it to Jesus, and the next morning in my quiet time, I was still struggling deeply with guilt. Hmm. And uh, God reminded me of James chapter 5, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. And the healing is of guilt. Yeah, in my case, this was the healing yeah. of guilt that I needed. And I argued with God as to why that was a bad idea <laughs> right. and why that would not be appropriate and how that would lower me in their esteem. And finally, after telling Jesus all the reasons this shouldn't happen, mm-hmm. I just finally got obedient and said, okay, the next time I stand up in front of these, this audience, before I preach, I will speak the truth and I will confess and ask for their forgiveness. Um, and when I made that decision, I was actually free. Now, it was very difficult to stand up in front mm-hmm. of 100 students and a bunch of leaders high school and university age students on this missions trip and admit I'm a liar, uh, but that I was free. Yeah. So it, as I was reading Andy Stanley's book, I could relate to, oh, yeah, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, that guilt that I was feeling uh, as soon as I agreed that I would confess that and do what I could to make it right. I was free. Hmm. Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. The second enemy of the heart is anger, which is based on the lie, you owe me. Yeah. So um, I, I think that um, when when we're angry, it's always because um someone has hurt us. Well, usually it's some form of rejection. Yeah, something has been in our heart has been threatened, our sense of well-being or we've been physically hurt or we've been uh, you know, Timothy Keller would call them idols that we've set up in our own hearts. Right. Where anytime my security, my comfort or my sense of significance is threatened, uh that is an attack. Yeah. And the, the way Andy Stanley puts it is, um, show me an angry person and I'll show you a hurt person. Sure. And I guarantee that person is hurt because something has been taken. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, continues that debt model that he set right. this book up around. When anger takes hold in our hearts, we start, we, we can actually start to believe that everybody out there owes us something. When we let it, when we let sure. it simmer and take root, right? Yeah, we've and sort we, of met people like that. We have met people like that, and it's like if you if you bump them a little too hard, you get a blast of anger, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, what is the antidote for anger? And yeah, tell us what's involved in that. Well, and again, Andy Stanley puts it very beautifully. And the the antidote is simply this: forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way to deal with our anger is to forgive that person. And I think sometimes we get, we mistake what forgiveness is for. We think, and I've had students say this to mm-hmm. me, if I forgive that person, I'm letting them off the hook. Right. But in actual fact, forgiveness isn't for them. 
Right. When Joseph forgave his brothers, they didn't even know he'd forgiven them. Right. It wasn't until years later. Uh, but it, forgiveness is for me mm -hmm. so that I don't have to live with this toxic bitterness that results in outward anger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he gives steps for fully forgiving someone that I think are really good and are a little bit different from the steps that I've heard before. One is, um, first of all, identify who you're angry with. That's right. fairly obvious. But the second one is determine what they owe you. Hmm. Not, not what they did to you, but what they took from you. Right. That helps. That makes it very, very specific. And I think a lot of people who say they've tried to forgive and, and, uh, and they couldn't, they don't get specific enough. You know, what, what did this person actually take from me? And then the final step, he says, is don't forget the debt. Cancel it. Mm -hmm. There's yeah, a difference. This, this forgive and forget thing. No, that's. Doesn't work. No. It, it's not a reality. Well, I think sometimes if we have truly forgiven, we will over time forget, or at least we forget the intensity. Yeah, I think we might, the intensity is lessened, the pain is lessened, mm -hmm. but I don't think we ever forget the damage. Mm -hmm. I think it becomes a scar in our soul yeah. that doesn't have to remain tender it's, forever. Yeah, it's not bleeding, it's not infected, but you know, it is a and scar. And it's not tender, but when you've been really, really wounded... Mm -hmm. I don't know. That, I don't think you'll ever forget that unless suddenly no, you I get. Think, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, moving on to greed then, and I, I know these are huge concepts and we're moving right. pretty quickly, but it's a half hour show, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so greed. Um, this is um, the, the way that it's defined really by scripture is someone who stores up stuff for themselves, but is not rich toward God. It is, um, so what is the, who owes whom in this scenario? Well, this is, I owe me. Okay. This is, I deserve this. I should have this. Um, it may be, you know, greed may be medicating some inside stuff. And I, I believe it's Andy Stanley who makes a point, the, the point that there are wealthy, greedy people, mm -hmm. and there are poor, greedy people. Yeah. It has nothing to do with how much we've accumulated at the time. What it actually has to do with is being afraid that God won't take care of them in the manner to which they've become accustomed or would like to become accustomed, yeah. right? It has to do with fear. And, you know, that gap between how God might look after me and how I feel I need to be looked after causes an anxiety that draws someone to always want more it's 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 an uns, it's not an uh an emotion or a need that can be satisfied because these people are fueled with uh, these people as though i've never been greedy before um <laughs> are fueled by what ifs like what if that happens or what if what if there's a pandemic and i can't work for a year whoever thought that would happen you know what if this happens what if that happens and then i'm going to need this and so this anxiety keeps them ironically, keeps them in the state that they're trying to avoid, which is the, the anxiety of not having enough, mm -hmm. right? So when we don't have enough, it's interesting that we, when we don't feel like we have enough, we ask God why. You know, why don't we have this? Why aren't you providing for me? 
when do we ever ask God why when we have more than enough? Mm. Well, and enough is somewhat um, subjective. Absolutely. Because if you have a roof over your head and you're eating multiple times a day, you are richer than 80% of the world. Yeah. Uh, but in comparison to my culture, I, I might be quite modest. So it, it is subjective. It is relative um, in, in that. I, I love what his antidote is, though. Just before we talk yeah. about that, though, um, I, I think it's important to acknowledge that in, in North America, we typically allow our lifestyle to keep up with our income. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even surpass our income and we've got credit card debt or whatever. Yeah. Andy Stanley says, um, if we've allowed our lifestyle to keep up with or surpass our income, it's almost impossible to keep greed out of our hearts. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, our very lifestyle um, promotes greed, basically. In, in our culture. And I think it's important to know, too, that greed isn't a, just a feeling. Um, well, maybe you go on go on and, and uh, give the antidote before we talk about... Um, well, and very simply, he says is. the antidote for greed is generosity. Hmm. It's, that seems so counterintuitive. It does seem completely counter, but I think there's a scriptural principle throughout the Bible about this idea of giving back to God. Um. And how God looks at generous people. I think uh, we have a financial advisor, and I appreciate that he gets paid some of the money that we give him, but I'd be a little choked if he used all of it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so that is, the antidote is like being generous and seeing ourselves as managers of some right. stuff that belongs to God. That's right. Not as, as our own stuff. Yeah. Um, he, he says, uh, Mandy Stanley says that giving, um, we need to give to the point that it impacts our lifestyle in order to mm. break the power of greed over us. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's good. Okay, the fourth one we have to keep moving here is jealousy, which is? God owes me. Okay, so how do we get that? How do how do we deal with it, or how well, does that happen? How does that happen? Well, I see things that other people have that I don't have, and it's it, how, how why isn't God giving me that? Hmm. And so I want what they have. God, you owe me. And often, then we start to um, be um, abusive toward the person that we're jealous of when our problem isn't with them at all. Our problem is. Is with God. Well, they represent the problem. Yeah, they represent the problem to us. Yeah, Yeah. and of of course, James talks about this. He said, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that were within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Okay, we might not go quite that far. Um, You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Really, he's saying that our resentment has nothing to do with the person we're jealous of. It's that we're not getting what we want. And the antidote he gives for this in a few sentences? Really is uh, about becoming that person's champion, uh, becoming their cheerleader. Celebrating their success, what they have. Yeah. Yeah. What a powerful thing it would be to 
to raise our kids, teaching them to monitor their heart, and teaching them these antidotes. It's a little late for our kids, but I think they're doing okay. I think so. Yeah, I know Kevin for sure really gets this last one, where she really celebrates someone else's success if she's feeling jealous. Yeah, and I uh, recently came across something that was really bothering my heart and realized I'm jealous of him. Mm. I need to make a change. Hmm. Well, that's all we have for you today on Grow on the Go. I'm Donna Carter with... Randy Carter. Welcoming you to Grow on the Go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com. 